This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest wi-fi access for customers bt's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy whatever your business bt's got your back search bt's got your back hello welcome to the red box podcast in the times i'm matt chorley bringing you the best of my times radio show which you can listen to monday to thursday 10 to 1 right now it's time for this order order i call matt chorley and tim shipman So if you've not listened to us doing PMQs Unpacked like this before, what we do is instead of just playing it all out and leaving you to pick through and try and work out what is going on, uh, Tim Shipman and I pause the action and explain and pick apart the exchanges between uh, Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. We'll also hear from Ian Blackford, the SNP uh, Westminster leader, and then we'll come back after the half 12 news with the best of the West and any other news lines that might appear. Um, Tim, this time last week, we were excited about the prospect of PMQs. It was 24 hours after Keir Starmer had called for a circuit breaker lockdown. It didn't really live up to billing. Do you think it might be slightly uh, spicier or enlightening this time around? Yeah, I think there's quite a lot going on this week. And I think um, uh, Starmer needs to, knows he didn't do a brilliant job of prosecuting his argument last week. Um, and he'll, his troops will want to see him do better this week. And there's a lot of angst on the Tory benches. Um, you know, last night Boris Johnson was offering Andy Burnham sixty million quid, but lots of people went away with the idea that he was only offering him twenty-two million, and that was because the PM didn't make the argument himself, didn't sell what he was doing effectively. Um, so it's quite high stakes for both of these leaders: Starmer to land his arguments, land his blows, and Johnson to actually, you know, state his case a bit more effectively. And, and do you think this is all just down to sort of bad comms, if you like, or is there a genuine? Uh... Is it a policy issue or is it a comms issue? Well, I mean, most uh, comms people would tell you that there's only so much that you can polish certain items. Um, (laughs) And if the policy ain't right, um, the comms are not going to save it. But it's certainly been the case throughout this crisis that the two have gone fairly hand in hand. Um, And I think most uh, Tory MPs would say that uh, neither of them has been as effective as they might be. And of course, you know, if if the uh, spike in coronavirus was happening in, you know, traditional Tory rural areas, there wouldn't be quite the same political dimensions of this. But the fact that he's, he's hitting precisely those areas that Boris Johnson made huge inroads in December and that Keir Starmer needs to win back if he's got any hope of ever becoming Prime Minister. And that's the clever thing that the Labour Party is doing this afternoon. They're trying to get those Tory MPs who won those red wall seats in a position where they either vote with the opposition or voters there will remember it in a few years' time at the next general election. OK, let's get ready to go live to the House of Commons. Uh, Keir Starmer, the Labour leader. For everyone to keep following the guidance, uh, observing the new uh, restrictions, but obviously washing hands, uh, wearing a face covering in enclosed spaces and keeping a sensible distance, Mr Speaker. We come to the Leader of the Opposition, the Right Honourable Keir Starmer. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I thank the Prime Minister for his remarks about the Honourable Member for Bolton South East? Prime Minister, how does an area which goes into Tier 3 restrictions... Oh, we seem to have lost Keir Starmer there. How does an area that goes... His key question, how's the area that goes into t uh, Tier 3 restrictions? And uh, he's uh, dropped out there. Um, uh, I, think he, I think he went on to ask, uh, get out of it again. Uh, which is one of the key questions, isn't it, Tim Shipman, of... of uh... ...with the measures that they're taking. Yes, Mr Speaker, can I press the Prime Minister on that answer? Um, if the infection rate R in a Tier 3 area has not come below 1, will it be possible in any circumstances for that area to come out of Tier 3 if the R hasn't come below 1? Mr Speaker, obviously the uh, R is one of the measures that we look at and we'll take a decision based on uh, a, a number of things, including the R, but also, of course, uh, rates of infection, uh, rates of admission uh, to hospital and, and other data. But the most important thing is for areas that uh, do go into Tier 3, and I, I'm very grateful to local leadership in the areas that, that have gone into to Tier 3 because it's the right thing uh, for them to do, the right thing uh, for their constituents, the right thing uh, to save lives, uh, when uh, they're able to make progress, and of course they will come out of Tier 3. And, uh, as he knows full well, the, the measures that are put in place uh, are reviewed every 28 days. So we, we slightly lost Keir Starmer's first question there, but it, it sort of doesn't matter. Cause it he, seems he, like it was the same as his <laughs> second question. <laughs> Not least because, you know, we lost a bit of Boris Johnson's first answer, but it doesn't matter because we got it repeated again the second time round. Um, this is an important question, though, isn't it? There's always this sort of sense of, you know, everything's just getting worse again. So you go from Tier 1 to Tier 2 to Tier 3 even though we're not supposed to call it that, it's supposed to be medium, high and very high or, or whatever it might be. Yes, turn uh, it up to 11, as they used to say. Um, uh, but Spinal tap. There's no sort of criteria for getting out... Of, you know, actually, if the government said, well, get your cases down to this level, there might be a bit of sort of, you know, local effort to do that, because if you do that, you can go to the pub again or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, there's a grown-up response to that, which is that it's terribly complicated and there are lots of uh, ways of measuring this, and it might be that you have infection rate or it might be that um you know you have other local problems and they don't just want to set one metric and say that once you um achieve that yeah you come out of it but it is a political problem uh for the conservative party that hardly anyone who's gone into these higher tiers has, a, has ever gone to lower tiers or come out of them at all um they, you've got to hope that that's possible but i mean the more people you speak to in the government the more you think that probably isn't going to be very likely until the spring yes well let's go back to the house of commons keir starmer Mr Speaker, I'm now confused by the Prime Minister's answer. If it's not the R rate under one, what is it? Because millions of people want to know the answer to that question because millions of them are in Tier 3 and millions more are likely to go into Tier 3. They really need to know. And Prime Minister, on Friday, the Chief Scientific Officer said Tier 3 on its own certainly isn't enough to get the R rate below one. On the same day, the Prime Minister himself said there was only a chance of getting infection rates down. This goes to the heart of the issue in Greater Manchester and elsewhere, because the widespread fear, Prime Minister, is that Tier 3 is the worst of all worlds. It brings significant economic harm without getting the virus sufficiently under control to exit Tier 3. So instead of being a solution, Tier 3 is a gateway to weeks and weeks, more likely months and months of agony, from which there's no likely exit. Can the Prime Minister not see the problem if there isn't a clear exit? Uh, sorry, uh, Mr Speaker, I, I've made it absolutely clear 
that a, uh, tier, a part of the country going into Tier 3 uh, is only in there for 28 days. We will review it after 28 days. And uh, areas that uh, have gone into Tier 3, uh, I, I believe, are already making progress. And areas where there are restrictions in place are also showing signs of progress. We are pursuing, Mr Speaker, a local, a regional approach, which is the sensible approach uh, for this country. That's what the epidemiology supports. It's what the Deputy Chief Medical Officer uh, supported uh, last night. And again, I want to thank a local leadership in Merseyside, in Lancashire, actually in London and West Midlands uh, and elsewhere for what they are doing. And I may say that it is a bit incoherent of the, uh, the uh, right honourable gentleman opposite to attack uh, local lockdowns when he wants to plunge the whole country, uh, to, the whole country, back into a damaging lockdown uh, for weeks on end, and he has no clue about how he would propose to get the country out of that, does he? You can get more of the latest political news with a subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and get one month free. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash red box. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Well, let's, um, <laughs> there's quite a lot to unpack there. So, uh, Keir Starmer now saying that Tier 3 is the worst of all worlds. You get the economic um, uh, impact of places being shut down, but he's saying it's not enough to bring down uh, the virus. Boris Johnson saying, well, actually, you know, it's only lasted 28 days and we'll review it. Also citing, this is really interesting, last night, Jonathan Van Tam, the chief medical officer, deputy chief medical officer, uh, last night endorsing the regional approach. Yeah, and saying it's nonsense to have people locked down in East Anglia and Cornwall when they've got, hardly got any infection. Um, so that is the part of the government's approach which seems to be... Uh, just about holding politically. Um, you can well envisage a situation in a couple of weeks' time when most of the country is in Tier 3, but bits of it will be will not be. Uh, and Keir Starmer, you know, would be effectively arguing that those bits should be as well. Um, so Boris Johnson rightly says, you know, what would be your route out of this? But this isn't questions to the Leader of the Opposition, so I doubt we'll get an answer from, from Starmer. <laughs> Interesting, though, that Johnson did seize on the Jonathan Van Tam comments because, uh, you know, that's what he needs to do politically is take you know, uh, people backing him up where he can and, and wheel them out. The other thing that Van Tam has said recently is that we're getting much closer to a vaccine. And the government's real strategy, of course, is that they're buying time for a vaccine. Uh, 
but they're dressing it up as something else. Um, it's also worth remembering, it's nice to see uh, JVT, Jonathan Van Tam, as a um, JVT, as they all seem to call him at the press conference. He's now back in the foyer, he's in the good books again. Well, now much, that he's said something supportive. He was very much in the bad books after he criticised Dominic Cummings for going to Barnard Castle and then wasn't seen again for weeks. He was locked in a cupboard somewhere. Uh, let's go back to the comments. But if the R8 hasn't come below one, then the infection rate is still going up. And the numbers are going up. And the admissions are going up and the numbers in hospital are going up, and the deaths are going up. Is the Prime Minister seriously saying that he would take a Tier 3 area out of Tier 3 with the R above 1? I don't think so. Let me spell out what this means. Let me spell out what this means. On Friday, thousands of people in Greater Manchester, taxi drivers, pub and hospitality workers, people working in betting shops, the self-employed and freelancers, will either be out of work or face significant pay cuts. That's the reality on Friday in Greater Manchester. But their rent and their mortgage won't be lower, their food and their heating bills won't be lower, and that could last for months. Why can't the Prime Minister and the Chancellor understand this? Stop bargaining with people's lives, stop dividing communities, and provide the support that's needed in Manchester. I have to say I'm slightly confused about um, what exactly Keir Starmer's driving at here. He wants to know uh, when we get out of Tier 3, and Boris Johnson already wants to make sure that, you know, we'll review it in 28 days, and if it's working, cases go down. And then he attacks the government for suggesting how it might bring an area out of Tier 3. Well, I mean, we have a slight... Uh, there's a disconnect between Labour national policy and Labour regional policy here, to a degree. Um, you know, you've got Labour mayors saying, we will not be locked down. You've got Labour centrally saying, everyone must be locked down. Um, and... Some people will find that uh, slightly discordant. Um, it's just another, you know, PMQs with Starmer building a sort of fairly moderate argument and not actually really swinging his uh, uh, weapons with all the verve that other leaders of the opposition might have done, I think. Or even in the way that other regional mayors uh, may have done. Well, quite. And, you know, one of the things about Andy Burnham's uh, performance over the last week, some of it's to do with Manchester. There's quite a lot of people in the Labour Party who think it's to do with... Um, looking like a more effective uh, leader of the opposition uh, than Keir Starmer. Uh, you know, he, well, he did run for leader, of course, and he famously lost to Jeremy Corbyn. So we'll see, yeah, I'm not quite sure the, how, how that um, uh, pans out. But, yeah, well, let's see if, let's see if Keir Starmer manages to hit something at home with this one. And Mr Speaker, I'm, I'm very proud that this government has already given Greater Manchester £1.1 billion in, in, in support for business, uh, £200 million in extra unring-fenced funding £50 million uh, to tackle infections in care homes, £20 million for tests and trades, another £22 million for local response that we announced yesterday. And yesterday, the Mayor of Greater Manchester was offered a further £60 million, which he turned down, Mr Speaker, with no encouragement, I may say, to support from the right honourable gentleman. So I can tell the House today, Mr Speaker, is that that cash will be distributed uh, to the boroughs of Greater Manchester. And I want to thank and my honourable and right honourable colleagues across the, the House, uh, for Haywood and Milton, Middleton, for Bo from Bolton North West, from Bolton North, North we Northeast, from Berry South, Berry North, Cheadle, Lee, Orchardham and Sale West, and Hazel Grove, for the support that they have given in this matter, Mr Speaker. Oh, well, that's, literally, that's literally how it ended. Um, Boris Johnson just naming Tory MPs constituencies. Uh, yes, um, and desperate to keep them in his tent. But actually, that was a proper effective uh, riposte to some of the moaning about the money. Boris Johnson has a couple of problems here uh, with uh, these red wall seats and the North in general. Um, he is constantly battling 
um, a political meme that he's incompetent or that he can't spin his own policies. The much more dangerous thing would be if it, if people became convinced he was genuinely heartless and didn't care about the North. So he can keep spouting the money, and if it doesn't look like he's done it uh, effectively politically all the time, um, that answer will, I think, go some way to reassuring Tory MPs that he does know how to make a, you know, a simple political argument about money. Because um, what they can't have is the view getting hold that you know the Tories don't care about the North, just like Maggie Thatcher didn't. Uh, yeah, exactly right. And that's the big issue. It's just to point out, it does look like Boris Johnson had a haircut. Um, uh, if you're interested in such matters, uh, he does look a bit smart. It looked a bit wild last week. If it looks a bit, a bit neater and tidier uh, this week. Uh, let's go back to this question number four from Keir Starmer. This is a, this is a Prime Minister that can pay £7,000 a day for consultants on track and trace, which isn't working, that can find £43 million for a garden bridge that was never built, but he can't find £5 million for the people of Greater Manchester. I really think the Prime Minister's crossed a Rubicon here, not just with the miserly way that he's treated Greater Manchester, but the grub-it-take-it-or-leave-it way these local deals are being done. It's corrosive to public trust to pit region against region, mayor against mayor, council against council, asking them to trade away their businesses and jobs. We need a one-nation approach, replace these endless local battles with clear national criteria and proper support for jobs. Labour's motion this afternoon would do that. Why won't the Prime Minister support it? Well, that was a bit punchy, and it sort of, you know, ticks a lot of boxes. You know, the, the, the Prime Minister's crossed the Rubicon. He could find £40-odd million. Pounds. I mean, it's basically a Twitter argument. £40 million pounds for a garden bridge which doesn't exist, but couldn't find £5 million pounds for... Greater Manchester. Um, and Boris Johnson normally likes a sort of uh, an ancient Roman analogy as well, so the <laughs> Rubicon thing will be very exciting for him. But, you know, saying that these grubby take-it-or-leave-it deals are corrosive to public trust, and a lot of Tory MPs would agree with that. They can't understand why Boris Johnson's getting into a political debate with Andy Burnham and arguing about how much money it should be um, when they could just say, you have X number of people and these are your problems and there's a national criteria for it. This is how much money you get. Go away and spend it. And £5 million is not even an accounting error. Uh, in the terms of you know, I mean, I public mean, finances. No, 65 million quid these days is not even an accounting error. Uh, and so uh, part of me just thinks, find out what Andy Burnham wants and give him £5 million more and just sort of embarrass him into uh, into you know being grateful rather than giving him all these opportunities. Um, I also think there's a slight flaw in um, uh, Keir Starmer saying, you know, let's abandon these region against region things and go for a national approach. I think you'll find if you did that, you'd suddenly find places like Cornwall would 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 be um, uh, far more vocal in this debate. Not many Labour votes in Cornwall, though. Well, I don't know. There's a couple of seats down there that they've had their eye on in the past, particularly with the demise of the Lib Dems. They used to have a couple of MPs in Cornwall, I think, um, but uh, it's a long time since that happened. Um, anyway, let's go back to uh, the Commons. Mr Speaker, I'm proud of the support that we've given, the One Nation Conservative support that we've given uh, to, the, to the entire country. Uh, £200 billion in support for jobs and livelihoods across the whole of the country already. A further £9.9 billion now for the jobs support scheme. Uh, it is this government that has cut VAT for, for business, deferred business rates. There is no other country in Europe, Mr Speaker, where so much support, so much help has been given to the population to get through this crisis, and we will continue to to do that. But I think it is the height of absurdity, Mr Speaker, that he stands up and attacks the economic consequences of the measures that we're obliged to take across some parts of the country when he wants to turn the lights out with a full national lockdown, taking kids... Take, that was his policy last week anyway, wasn't it? Perhaps he could confirm that's still his policy. Is that what he wants to do? 
Piers Starmer. Mr Speaker, at his press conference yesterday, the Prime Minister produced heat maps across the country showing the infection rate up in all ages across all regions, and particularly showing regions that have been in the equivalent of Tier 2 restrictions for weeks, if not months, moving into Tier 3. Now, if they're moving into Tier 3, Tier 2 hasn't worked, because if Tier 2 worked, they should be going to Tier 1. So Tier 2 goes to Tier 3. Tier 3 has no end because there's no prospect or confidence in the R rate coming below 1. And I do not believe that the Tier 3 region will come out of those restrictions unless R is below 1 and whilst numbers are still going up. So we now have a stark choice. And by the way, Prime Minister, Cornwall is the only place, possibly with the Isle of Wight, where the infection rate today is less than Greater Manchester when it went into local restrictions. So this idea that some areas are immune is wrong. So there's a stark choice. Carry on with the Prime Minister's approach, which will lead to weeks and weeks and months and months of prolonged agony in all your constituencies for millions of people in Tier 2 and 3 with no exit or place or put in place a two to three week time limited circuit break to break the cycle and bring the virus back under control. Wales, Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland in part have chosen that path. With half term starting this Friday, this may be the last opportunity for the Prime Minister to put in place an effective circuit break. The Prime Minister was too slow in the first phase of this pandemic. He's being too slow again. We cannot repeat this mistake. Will he act in the public interest and take the opportunity to put in place a circuit break this Friday? Um, before we hear from Boris Johnson, I suspect the answer is going to be no, by the way, but before we hear from Boris Johnson's uh, response to the call for a circuit break, I thought there was... A... <laughs> Doing, doing quite a lot of work, and that was Scotland in part, uh, given that actually what Scotland is doing is much more like Boris Johnson's approach, and parts of Scotland where there are high levels of cases have got tighter restrictions than other... Exactly, and frankly, Wales and Northern Ireland, you, given how many people live there, are about probably uh, the same significance as one of the main English regions. So, uh, in a sense, it's all a regional approach. Um, Everything is a regional approach. Um, he... Um, uh, Keir Starmer again attacking Boris Johnson. He was too slow in the first, too slow in the first phase. Yeah, and this has there been their big argument since the spring that that you know the government dithered uh, in March and April, and it's dithering again. Um, Boris Johnson's previous answer was all about one nationism um, and trying to sound like a national leader again. Uh, one thing um, that uh, Keir Starmer didn't bring up is there was this uh, sage member, John Edmonds, about an hour ago, was talking to MPs, and he said the most difficult thing to predict is government behaviour. Most of the time, people's behaviour is governed by the government. At the moment, it's difficult to say what government will do. It's nice because, again, we've talked about this before, that the speed with which the Starmer team operates to, to clip, latch on to things which happened in the morning. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe you'll bring that up next week. Anyway, let's go back and hear what, uh, <laughs> let's go back and hear what Boris Johnson said. Uh, Mr Speaker, we will do whatever it takes to get this country through the crisis, uh, with or without the support of the uh, Right Honourable Gentleman opposite. And I, I may say that I think that his policy, I've explained why I don't believe that his policy is the right one for the country, because it would involve closing schools, it would involve shuttering businesses, it would, with all the psychological, the emotional damage that lockdown of that kind brings. Uh, he can't say uh, how many circuit breakers he thinks uh, would be necessary. He can't say how long they would go on. He can't say how much damage they would do to the UK economy and to people's mental health. 
Mr. Speaker. We, we, on the other hand, want to go on with our commonsensical approach, which is a local and a regional approach, keeping kids in school, keeping our economy moving, because that is the way to get the whole of our country, the whole of our country, through this crisis together, so that we all, and particularly those regions that are now, alas, under Tier 3 restrictions, all the regions of the country bounce back strongly together, Mr Speaker. There we are. It's the commonsensical approach there from uh, uh, Boris Johnson making his case. It was really interesting earlier this week when we did our focus group with uh, swing voters, specifically on the coronavirus thing. Uh, none of them had noticed Keir Starmer's intervention uh, last week, and this has come up time and time again. He's not really having an impact uh, on them. It, he's struggling a bit to sort of insert himself into this as a, as a as an issue. Yeah, and because he's sort of made this pitch as this kind of statesmanlike figure who's going to argue about the detail, not all of that cuts through you know, to the main evening news. Um, and I was interested in what you were just saying, you know, um, that, that they're not seizing on stuff that's happening uh, in the morning and making a big show of that, because that's one way you can get yourself into the, the daily headlines. If you make PMQs about stuff that's happening that day, it's much more likely to make it into the broadcast bulletins. Um, what Starmer's team is very good at, they'll have, you know, they'll have a letter or an example of something outrageous and he'll raise it at PMQs and then all the journalists start getting that letter in their WhatsApp very quickly afterwards. It looks quite professional. But if Jeremy Corbyn had ignored all these things in the morning, lots of people would be saying, the bloke's not up to it. Um, why is he not seizing on this? It's evidence that his team is not particularly well organised and, and not maximising their opportunities to attack. And I think that's becoming a legitimate criticism of Keir Starmer as well. It's not really, it's sort of really um, uh, hitting home. Uh, let's see uh, what happened when Ian Blackford, the SNP leader in Westminster, took on Boris Johnson. Ian Blackford, audio only, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and my thoughts are very much with the member for Fulton South East. I hope she makes a speedy recovery. Mr Speaker, next week, just as the pandemic is worsening, the Tory government will scrap the furlough scheme in a move that will cause a wave of mass redundancies across the United Kingdom. Meanwhile, behind closed doors, the Prime Minister is complaining that he can't get by on his £150,000 salary. So can I ask the Prime Minister, if he's finding life such a struggle, how on earth does he expect many workers to get by on just £5.84 an hour when the Tory cuts to furlough sink in? Uh, just a flag that that story that Ian Blackford's talking about there about the Prime Minister struggling to get by on his £150,000 salary was uh, actually in the Times uh, two or three weeks ago. That there were apparently suggestions from his uh, friends of the Prime Minister that he was he was struggling to make ends meet and he wasn't quite living at high on the hog like he did in his days of writing for 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 another newspaper. Anyway, let's go back and see how Boris Johnson responds. Uh, Mr Speaker, actually, I, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done to support people on low incomes uh, throughout this period, and indeed before. It was this government that raised the living wage by record amounts. Uh, we've just increased universal credit by about £1,000 a year, and he makes the point about furlough, uh, Mr Speaker, and uh, as he knows, the, the combine the universal credit uh, with job support, uh, the job support scheme that we've just announced, and uh, workers will be getting uh, 80% of their, uh, of their existing salary. We will get this country through this crisis, and we will continue to support people of low incomes throughout the period. Turning to Ian Blackford. Ian Blackford. Mr Speaker, I'm afraid the Prime Minister just simply doesn't get it. Yesterday we saw his total disregard for the people of Greater Manchester, a Tory attitude that people in Scotland are all too familiar with. Millions of families are struggling to get by, and this Tory government wants to cut their incomes in the middle of a pandemic. 
it is clear that the Prime Minister has made a deliberate decision to let unemployment soar, just like Thatcher did in the 1980s. Time is running out. With one week left, will the Prime Minister finally U-turn on his cuts to the furlough scheme and invest in our communities, or will he leave millions of people on the scrap heap? Mr Speaker, I, I really must reject what the right honourable gentleman has just said because it bears no relation to the facts or, or the reality of what this government is doing to support people across the country and it's not just uh, the, uh, the £200 billion investment in, in jobs and livelihoods. What we also are engaged in and what we will continue to deliver is a colossal investment in education, in health, in housing in infrastructure that will deliver jobs and growth throughout this United Kingdom for a generation, Mr Speaker. Andrew Jenkins. There's Boris Johnson there uh, clashing with um, Ian Blackford, the SNP uh, leader, over this question of uh, furlough, which is due to end and move to the job support scheme afterwards. A fairly familiar uh, line of attack from, from Well, it's Ian been a Black. classic one-two punch, hasn't it? Starmer has tended to do COVID and... Uh, uh, Ian Blackford has tended to do the economy, um, which means that he has the area to himself. Um, and as we were saying earlier, you know, the argument he wants to make both uh, uh, around all of this and, you know, potentially to promote Scottish independence is to equate um, Boris Johnson with Margaret Thatcher and, you know, neglect of the poor. Um, and that is a theme we will be hearing a lot more of. Um, in fact, while, almost exactly while Ian Blackford was speaking, it seems that um, uh, Nicholas Sturgeon has been updating uh, on the latest uh, from Scotland, um, reporting on the, the number of cases, the number of deaths, but also confirming that pubs and restaurants and bars across that central belt in Scotland are going to remain closed for another week. Uh, restrictions stay in place uh, elsewhere. Uh, they were originally supposed to be lifted on uh, from Monday. And I think this will play into the argument that a lot of people in London have made um, in the government, that once these restrictions get, get into place, it's quite difficult... Uh, to lift them again. So the idea of a sort of circuit breaker that Starmer is advancing, um, it's not clear that you'd be able to quickly get out of it after two or three weeks um, if the numbers don't come down. And in fact, you know, there is the argument that we we came out of the last three-month lockdown uh, too quickly. I mean, certainly there's the, there was the case made by Andy Burnham that cases were still too high in the north of England, but there was extraordinary economic, social, political pressure uh, to do, and that was the only reason we came out, not because epidemiologically it was the right time to do it. So... Um, what is the level at which Keir Starmer would think that that circuit breaker should should be lifted? Well, it's not been clear uh, on any side of the politics of this what people regard as an acceptable level of infections um, and with it an acceptable level of job losses. Um, these things are very difficult um, to calibrate. Even if we knew what decision they'd made uh, about those numbers, uh, we don't know what decision they've made and so you can't really have an argument about whether it's uh, that calibration is correct or not. Do you think that uh, Keir Starmer sort of being more openly critical of the government, having previously basically supported everything the government had announced and then uh, criticised it afterwards, do you think him being more openly critical of the government might actually have the perverse impact of uh, making Boris Johnson stick to this strategy rather than the sort, you know, part of the criticism, but like the, the tier system is only sort of eight or nine days old. Uh, before that, it was uh, rule of six and, and keep your space and all of that sort of stuff. That Actually, this the, the politics of this means he might stick to it, which means it might actually have more of an impact than if we had another round of, of there changes. There's a very good argument that Keir Starmer is the provisional wing of Boris Johnson's government at the moment, <laughs> that it's more likely that Tory MPs will back their own government if Starmer is opposing it. Uh, and it's also possible that Downing Street, which has changed its mind with most passing breezes, um, uh, is now going to find uh, resolution 
uh, in the pursuit of a three-tiered system. It's a stirring moment in British politics. <laughs> uh, so who won today, then? The, the obvious question. Well, I think, frankly, of the two, I think Boris Johnson arguably will come out of that slightly happier. He's on a pretty sticky wicket. He's got a very difficult day. And Starmer didn't really make his life uncomfortable, I don't think. No, as ever, probably um, the more uncomfortable uh, stuff comes from behind Boris Johnson rather than uh, in front of him in there. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box podcast. Uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the Times Radio app, where you can also now listen to all of the Times podcasts, including Red Box 2. Make sure you subscribe and review the Red Box podcast wherever you listen. But for now, from me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.